the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll with your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian discuss current events from a biblical worldview, so we as believers can influence for good in our culture and in the public square. Here is Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Hello, Biblical Citizens. We have a young man with us here today, an attorney and father of two, who has some important news to share with us. He lives in Arizona, but he spends a lot of time traveling here in California because he's concerned about the negative effect of laws being proposed here on other states and about children and their being abused by uh, school officials and people pushing vaccines. And, you know, I met him because he spoke at our County Board of Supervisors meeting, meeting, which was on April 5th. That was the day we handed our letters of intent to County Chair Nathan Fletcher. We, a number of us, handed him the letter of intent that we're going to file claims against a surety bond. We're trying to hold these these lawless officials accountable. And so Ryan also spoke to the supervisors that day. He publicly put them on notice that he would soon be holding multiple public officials accountable in the legal arena for their illegal uh, actions. He announced that he is the head of the Gavel Project. He has multiple lawsuits in the process right now, including defending a client whose child was abused by Coronado School officials here in San Diego County. So he's going to tell us more about the Gavel Project. Welcome today, Ryan. We're so happy to have you. Oh, it's a, it's an honor to be here. Thank you so, so much for having me. Um, my, my clients are appreciative as well, Gabby out in, in Coronado and Nicole, her mother. Um, they, they have been fighting for quite a long time for, for personal choice here in the area, and uh, we're just we're, we're grateful to have an opportunity to speak to the audience. Thank you. I want to mention just one more thing, Ryan, about your background. Now, you have a business undergraduate degree, then you graduated from Regent University. I understand you were president of your class, and I wanted to mention you were actually tutored by Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito. That's pretty impressive. So explain, Ryan, why and how you started the Gavel Project. How did that come about? Yeah, Brian, um, it was a really it was a god thing if we had to chalk it up to anything as you mentioned i went to regent university school of law i was president of my class um i received the the community changer award actually during graduation which happened in 2020 uh, may of 2020 i was a COVID grad um but regent's one of those schools that uh is really special it's actually run if you're not familiar with the man uh, pat robertson i'm sure both of you are familiar he, his house, actually, uh, in the CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network, is right there on campus. Um, yeah, I could actually, if I oh, wanted to. I did to, not know that. Okay. I could have thrown a stone at his home from the law school, actually. Um, and I, I was there for three years. Uh, God put me there. He moved me there from, from Arizona, basically. 
uh, opened my eyes by providing a, a scholarship um, that was a, a huge blessing to myself and my wife at the time uh, for us to move across the country. And, and as you mentioned, I had the blessing of being taught uh, constitutional interpretation by Justice Alito. And so uh, when all of this was happening back in October, I, I knew that I had the skills necessary to, to lead the charge on this. And um, I, I felt that uh, I was being called. So despite my wife being, being seven months pregnant and uh, having another uh, little girl to support at home at the time, I decided to, to leave my job. Uh, I'd been recruited out of law school to a firm in California. Uh, actually, I uh, was working to, to take over an Arizona office for them and to open up a new Mexico office uh, when, when I uh, quit my job. So that was uh, that's sort of the, the quick background on me. Well, and I thought it was really interesting. One of the first things you did was help your sister get a an exemption from the vaccine mandate without even asking for a religious exemption. So that was a creative way. Explain that just a little bit. Yeah, so um, that back in uh, August, really one of the catalysts for getting me into this, this medical freedom movement um, was my, my sister. I was actually uh, still working for the other firm at the time, but in my free time, I, I had uh, an issue come, come to me as an attorney um, you know, from within my family. My sister worked for, uh, she still works for, uh, for, for Phoenix Children's Hospital, um, and basically they, as many hospitals across the nation had done, decided to mandate a, a vaccination for the COVID-19 vaccine uh, as, a, as a condition of, of employment moving forward. So basically they were threatening to terminate her on October 5th if she did not uh, comply and become vaccinated. And, and in response, my uh, counsel was to refuse and demand a religious exemption uh, because under Arizona law, she has certain contractual rights that are actually recognized. They're called implied, in fact, contract terms. And so what we did actually is, is we sent a letter to uh, a number of letters to the hospital explaining her, her, her outrage at the request and her demand for an exemption. And eventually the last day, the day before uh, October 5th, uh, we submitted one final letter to the hospital after actually having a few public exchanges uh, with them as well. Uh, you can uh, search for those on um, the Arizona Daily Independent. If you, you search the terms Phoenix Children's Hospital and board, um, or board and lawsuit, you should find it there. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it was nice to, to hear back that the following day she still had a job and they actually ended up giving her an exemption without asking. It was a continuously demanding and threatening lawsuit. So you just got to be firm in these situations and, and know the law and, and take a firm stand and be willing to, uh, to fight back. Well, and it just goes along with the principle that they can't change your contract of employment without notifying or, you know, making an agreement with you. You've already signed your employment contract. And so they can't just just abrogate that and, 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 ter- and change the terms arbitrarily, can they? And, yeah, they might have That's to right. fa- uh, face a lawsuit if they so do. That, that is absolutely right, Kathleen. The reason... Um, you're correct, and, and the reason this makes sense is because you know California, I believe, just like Arizona, is a is a at will employment state. But even in at will employment states, employers have limitations on what it is they can and can't do relative to changing the terms of your employment contract. There, there is still some sort of agreement in place, whether it's written or not, between you and your employer. And um, this makes sense because an employer in California couldn't just arbitrarily say, hey, guess what? Next month on the 15th of May, 
we are going to take away your health care benefits. Right. Even though that, that may not be in writing, that would be basically an attempt at what's called a unilateral <laughs> uh, breach of contract. They're trying to unilaterally modify the terms of your existing agreement, even though it's not in writing. The circumstances surrounding the hiring of that employee could, and this is what a judge should do in these circumstances, um, it, it gives rise basically to implied and fast contract terms. What the Arizona Supreme Court says very clearly is that if we look at a situation where an employee was being hired and when we take into consideration the context of that situation, if there were any promises made by the employer, or any statements that could be interpreted by a reasonable person to be a commitment by the employer, meaning some sort of detriment to the employer at the benefit of the employee, usually that, that appears in the form of some sort of expense, um, the, the, the court will actually read and they'll create an implied in fact contract from that interaction and they'll enforce it as if though it's an express contract or written contract as a by as law. a long-term long-time employer i know and having been involved in uh various lawsuits myself with employees i know that that is absolutely true at will state or not there is an implied contract and there's all sorts of responsibilities and but i want to i want to pivot to how we first met you, which again, as Kathleen mentioned, on April 5th, we met you speaking out in not your home state at our San Diego County Board of Supervisors. So I understand, I don't know if you're still on this trip, but I understand you were on a month-long trip around this golden state of California. And talk about what your main objectives are here in California. And we have about three minutes. Yeah. Yeah, so in three minutes, really quickly, I am still here in California. I am traveling around the state right now, basically trying to, I'm speaking at school board meetings and at all sorts of public events. Uh, I'm trying to educate and empower children, basically, to, to peacefully assert themselves in the face of tyranny. And what that looks like is civil disobedience. I'm preparing them for if and when the, the vaccine uh, mandate comes into effect, they know how to respond, and also just generally how, how to respond in the face of government tyranny. I'm also raising awareness of what's actually happened to your kids over the past two years, which is really, in my opinion, state-sponsored child abuse. And that's all, yeah. again, you know, for the quote-unquote greater good. That's for the benefit of the many at the expense of really our children. Um, and it wasn't for their benefit. So it, it's really quite grotesque. And finally, I'm, I'm fundraising. I actually, I run a, a nonprofit charity, as, as y'all mentioned earlier. It's called the Gavel Project. And um, I'm, I'm an attorney. I'm a constitutional attorney. And I'm helping to connect victims of COVID-19 abuses uh, with other lawyers. And, and I'm, I'm fundraising to help those kids get justice for what's happened to them. And uh, right now, basically, I am uh, funding six lawsuits across the state. Uh, all of them are, are for civil rights violations. I helped set those lawsuits up, actually, by teaching the kids to engage in civil disobedience so that we could file those lawsuits. It's the same strategy that Rosa Parks employed back in the 1950s, and, and we're doing it here today in 2022 in California. So hmm. that's really the gist of what we're doing. Well, and does the, the these lawsuits, do they aim at really going after the officials that have perpetrated these policies and their personal assets and how how does it how does it affect them how is it holding them accountable exactly if you win yeah so this is a good transition point to even talk about the lawsuit we have in your area down in coronado so 
Um, we basically, one of the things that I realized when I, when I started the gavel project is that there is an opportunity to set up litigation for the purpose of creating societal change. Uh, so long as you're willing to, to take a bit of a risk and you have people who are willing to do this with you and recognize the risk, you really can protest for the purpose of litigating. And that's exactly what we did in Coronado. We have a a young girl named, named Gabby down there um, who basically decided to engage in what's what I, I believe and what everyone here will, will end up believing as well to be the truth uh, as an act of free speech, expressive conduct for the purpose of bringing personal lawsuits against the school board trustees in Coronado uh, for their civil rights violations. And it's not just the trustees, it's the teachers, it's the principals, anyone who, who basically promulgated uh, or um, decided to discriminate, you know, they, if they pass the policy or they, they use the policy to discriminate against the child, they are liable under the Civil Rights Act, and, and we're going to be suing them for, for their, their violations. Excellent. We have to take a break right now, but when we return, we will discuss Ryan's own faith, a little bit more about these lawsuits and the other big bills coming up in California that we need to oppose. Be right back. There is more Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K-Praise. Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. We are back with Ryan Heath, constitutional attorney with The Gavel Project, Ryan, this is Biblical Citizen Show. Could you tell us a little bit about your personal faith, your worldview, and how does that motivate you to go forward with this gavel project? Yeah, so in regard to my faith, um, you, you can't do what I'm doing without having faith in God. Um, you you know, I actually I, I have a weird story. There's not enough time to really tell it, but I can tell you I've been through some significant challenges in my life. Um, I'm a young man. I'm I'm still under 30. I'll be turning 30 this year. Um, But I've overcome a lot. And I have two young kids and and a wife to support. And I decided to, uh, you know, leave a, a fast track, essentially, job to, uh, you know, partnership at a firm for the to, to, to start a nonprofit charity um, where I fly around the state that I don't live in to help teach kids how to engage in civil disobedience um, so that everyone's kids can live in a country where the concept of bodily autonomy is more than just a pipe dream. Because if you don't have control over what goes in to your body, you are not a free person. That is abject tyranny and there are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's true. And so that's, that's why I started the Gavel Project. Um, we're an organization that basically exists to fight nonsense in society. And uh, if you want to learn more about what it is that we do, uh, you can go to thegavelprojects.com. You can find out how to support us right there. As I mentioned, I'm, I'm a young guy. My wife and I have actually taken huge risks to start this, this charity. Uh, you know, she's, uh, she's a, a beautiful, smart girl. Um, back at home with our, our two kids. And I'm, I'm traveling through California, like I said, for, for quite a long time uh, to, to really 
support this mission and, and raise awareness and raise funds for these, these kids to help fight. You know, I want to, I have hundreds of applications for help and I have more than enough attorneys that I, I can reach out to to hire for these kids, but we can't support them without the financial resources. We've liquidated, my wife and I have liquidated vehicles for this. We have one car. We've had one car for many, many months. Um, we've emptied our checking and savings accounts. We've gone way out on the limb and, and we're doing fine. We have a, a great business plan. My wife is a data scientist for a fortune 500 company. She's incredibly intelligent. She has a business degree as well. And she helped us plan this out. So we're, we're moving forward and we have a, a great opportunity to make a huge impact, but we need some support. So if there's anyone out there that can, please go to the website, thegavelproject.com. You can make a tax deductible donation right there. Um, we are a charity recognized by the IRS. So, um, we're, we're very blessed to, to have gotten that determination letter just a few weeks ago because we need uh, we need funds pretty pretty uh, significantly because our, our needs are significant. Well, God bless you in that effort. Thank you. And yes, there's nothing like being motivated by your faith, by the Lord giving you this little nudge. I mean, he that's how we feel too. We've been called to do this, and being a parent and wanting to have a better future for your children. So, yeah, we care about what God's telling us to do and what is going to happen with our children. And so we really support you in, in uh, keeping motivated that way. We hope people, we hope people uh, support and, you. Yeah, and our listeners, you, you yeah, support I mean, this you young man. You can follow me so. on, on Instagram. That's another great place to, to get more information. I'm at The Gavel Project on Instagram. I'm also on Substack, that's um, thegavelproject.substacks.com. And uh, you can can find my my writing right there. But uh, really, my faith is is what drives this this organization, my wife's faith as well. We've been operating on faith for quite a while. I mean... uh, Yeah, when God calls you to do something, you got to do it. That's that's really clear. It really really comes through, Ryan. I want to make sure we can talk about some of the egregious bills. I'm glad you're still here in California. Let's talk about a few of these because I think there's at least 10 of them that they're using. Again, they're they're going to spill over to other states if we don't stop them. They're using the COVID COVID scenario, the COVID whatever you want to call it, to push all these other... that even go above and beyond everything we've experienced so far. For example, limitations on free speech for doctors, forced vaccines on every citizen, police powers to enforce health directives with a threat that the money funding police will transfer over to these unelected public health tyrants if they don't enforce these things. So there's, there's a lot of these. I think the good news is people are starting to fight back, though, aren't they? Well, and you know, what they, they want really to do are. with children. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's, it's a sad, sad state of affairs here in California. I, I was, I've been speaking at a number of school board meetings over the last few days, and I can tell you um, that at two out of the two school board meetings, two days in a row, there have been, on, on, for agendized items, that means items being considered by the board for adoption, uh, one of the things they're considering at both school board meetings was extending suicide prevention resources to children as young as five years old. That uh. is the state of California. That, that is how things are going for the children here. Let's all just take a minute to reflect on what's happened over the course yeah, of the past few years. Necessary? And this is why I'm so yes. passionate about this issue. 
Um, if you're a child right now growing up in America and you're looking around, if you're 17, 18 years old, what hope do you have? What hope do you have in a world that, that's literally going into another war where the last two years of your life, everything seemed to be on fire and all of the adults in the room, rather than being reasonable, have been telling you to do things that on their face don't make any sense. I mean, they're telling you to wear cloths over your face out of boxes that have warnings on them, explaining to the user that they have no effect on the outcome that those in power are trying to effectuate. Um, they're, they're, in essence, telling children to do things the kids know to be false. I mean, it, it, it was so strange. When I was helping to lead protests, um, I, I was down in Coronado one day, uh, basically trying to get kids to, to protest. It was towards the end of the mask mandate in, in mid-February. And um, having kids walk by in Yale sweatshirts with cloth masks on their face telling me that I'm an idiot, when the warning label on the box for the mask that that kid's wearing explains that it has no effect on COVID-19. It's not intended for use against COVID-19 as a mitigating factor. Like yeah. this, it's just this confusion. It's, down. And I've known that the, the health orders have been absurd from the beginning. Like they don't make any sense to me as a trained nurse. And, and yeah, it's, it's just, Planned chaos, information chaos, and 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 yeah, it's affecting the kids. Why are they being taught to just follow orders that are absurd rather than critical thinking and stand up to for their rights, like you say? So we're so glad I, you're teaching. Them. I just saw a propaganda just, piece on the on the news this morning. It was a it was a Democratic strategist. Don't remember his name. Talking about masks, and he said it's beyond debate that masks reduce. Um, cases of COVID, and then he said in a lower voice, as long as it's worn correctly and done correctly, according to Johns Hopkins. Well, Johns Hopkins was the one that said that cloth masks absolutely don't work, yeah. and that at, at a minimum you need to have an N95 mask, and how many, and that probably doesn't work either, but how many kids are wearing N95 masks properly all day? They know it's garbage, but the propaganda continues. Well, and they know they talk Gross. about debate. They they refuse to debate. He says it's beyond debate. Yeah, it's well, beyond they, debate. That's an assertion that is not true. Of they won't debate. Uh, yeah, you know. So, well, it's it's like talk about the data. You want to cite John Hopkins? Let's cite Johns Hopkins. I bought a study from Johns Hopkins from a few months back, showing that out of fifty thousand kids, there were zero deaths from COVID nineteen out of perfectly healthy young children. Right. Uh, how, how about another study? How about 52 studies on the NIH website showing that the mask wearing, anything less than an N95 respirator, has little to zero efficacy in stopping the spread of COVID-19, even in surgical and inpatient settings? How so, about that fact? And you're, you're telling me that you're putting a mask, uh, a, which is not even approved for use, uh, under normal circumstances for children, by the way, these are emergency use authorized medical devices at this time, and they still are for children. You're telling me that a seven-year-old who still picks his nose and eats his boogers is going to be <laughs> able to wear a mask effectively to stop the spread of COVID-19, even though trained medical professionals uh, can't stop the spread of COVID-19 wearing the same mask in an institutional setting. This is all ridiculous. It's all COVID theater, and it was all for the purpose 
of harming your children. You're actually, there, there's a connection here I'd like to make. And the reason I'm coming back to speak at the San Diego uh, Board of Supervisors meeting next, uh, next week on, on Tuesday, on the 26th, is because of, of the transgender affirmation, the gender affirmation policies. The same people across the state of California are pushing the COVID-19 and the gender affirmation policies. And that's because both policies have the same effect on our society. They create lifetime customers for the pharmaceutical interests. That is a fact. If you give a child puberty blockers when, before they enter puberty, you are going to, and this has been shown definitively, reduce the amount of testosterone, let's say, for, for a girl and she, or for, for a boy, and that boy is going to have less bone density. You are, in effect, creating permanent changes to that child. Um, this is a fact, and you cannot dispute it. But at the end of the day, both policies have the same outcome, and that is, again, lifetime car- customers for the pharmaceutical interest. This is all intended to break your children and make them wards wow. of the state, in essence. So, yeah, the big pharma has just become a monster. So we have to rein it in with lawsuits like the Gavel Project is doing, like with speaking out, with refusing to let our kids just be indiscriminately masked or vast, vaccinated. And, yeah, the, we're having... Uh, vaccine clinics at our high schools right here in Escondido, and we don't have a lot of time to talk about that, but uh, we need to shut those down, folks, and don't participate in this big pharma push to get your children on a lifetime uh, expansive drugs uh, that's what they're doing so listeners so. i hope you uh, i hope you've listened carefully to the program you can always listen to it again on a podcast ryan thank you so much uh one more time these lawsuits can be very expensive you need all the support you can get so one more time ryan give the contact information how people can support you Brian, Kathleen, thank you so much. Again, uh, my name is Ryan Heath. I'm an Arizona attorney. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm risking everything uh, to, to fly around the state of California to, to, to support this charity to help these kids. It's called The Gavel Project, and it's, you can go support us at thegavelproject.com. Uh, and please tell folks about who we are and what we're doing. That's thegavelproject.com. Thank you Thanks so much. Thanks so much, uh, Ryan. Well, Great. God bless you and your mission. We support you. Just one last announcement before we close, and that is there's going to be a Eagle Forum conference coming up April 30th. The theme is God, Family, and Country. You need to uh, go to eagleforumcalifornia.com to find out more about it. It's going to really bless people. And so to bless your neighbor this week, support the Gavel Project, pray for Ryan Heath, do what you can to fight these bad bills, and to support children. Till next week. Bye-bye. Join us next Saturday at noon for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis, seek to educate and activate Christians at a grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover another major news happening from the view of the Biblical Citizen. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.